The weekend was chock full. The firing of Tom Allen at IU, the Colts' victory over the the Buccaneers, which uh, this is still a team with issues and hasn't figured out that you run the ball. And then the craziest of maybe craziest things today, I've never had an issue with Coach Frank Reich. I want to see him be successful. I think maybe there's a conversation whether he's cut out to be a head coach in the NFL. But he just got fired by the Carolina Panthers. The season isn't over. He got fired midseason in his first year. That's that's kind of nuts, right? Tony Katz, good to be with you. Tony Katz today. JMV joins me. He is the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5. The fan is where you find him in Indianapolis. Before we get to the Colts and to the Frank Reich thing, Tom Allen... Gets the boot, uh, uh, unacceptable number of losses. The they agree to a fifteen and a half million dollar buyout instead of the twenty point three million dollars that's going to be paid for by the alumni. We discussed this. There was no way they were going to get rid of them. They weren't going to do the buyout. Exactly how much work was happening before this game o- over the weekend, and how did it come down? Well, they had to uh, secure, and obviously it, it, it came down. I, I think here, I don't know for sure this is how this works, but it was a $20 million price tag at a buyout, and he accepted it in, uh, I think, around 15 in two lump sums, one, I guess, to be delivered here uh, within the end of the year or at the very, I think, latest at the beginning of, of the next year, and then he'll get another one of over seven and a half million next year. I, I don't know how that works other than Tony. I'm assuming that if you were to take another job, then IU would no longer have to pay him. So you're thinking you get a couple of years where you can set it out and then maybe go back into coaching uh, at some coordinator type of level, some defensive coordinator type of level. So that, that part doesn't surprise me, doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But uh, neither is the firing. It's just going to be interesting to see where they go. And the departing shot from Tom Allen when he had mentioned, you know, IU, it's his hope, finally gets into the NIL uh, stream of, of creating NIL money to help, you know, secure players the era in which we're in right now. I, I don't think that's surprising, but that is certainly something that uh, if you're not already on this and you hire a new coach to get on this, um, it's confusing to wonder why I use not further down the road in this. Evidently, as according to what Tom Allen talked yeah, about, yeah, but with, is, uh, is, a bit is of a that line shot. about nil name image likeness, which is about yeah. finding players and work, helping players be able to monetize their their, right. their own name and their 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 brand, if you will, is that throwing shade or is that is that um, a, a realistic yeah, conversation? I so. I, I mean, yeah, I, Tony, I think so. I think it may, maybe not so much shade, but it's like, hey. Um, this is what I've been dealing with here because we are in a new era, as he mentioned, um, in, in college athletics, which is basically professional athletics. Now. But um, when you're not in the Big Ten and you're already up against, in football, a great deal of competition, and now there's going to be more added and you're not up to speed in terms of NIL, uh, good luck with that. So it seems to me that maybe that was a bit of a big shot of, hey, you know what, this was my record and I'll own it and this is why I'm getting fired. But at the same time, you know, look how we had to work to get players here uh, against others who certainly were up to speed in the Big Ten on NIL. 
and uh, probably had a, a little bit easier time to do it. That's what it sounded like to me, maybe just kind of a defense uh, in a parting shot of what he's had to deal with here in the latter stages of his career in Bloomington. Talking to JMV, he's the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5, 107.5, the fan out of Indianapolis. A lot of talk about who might re- replace him. It's still a Big Ten. It's still a great opportunity. And there's a lot of college names. And then all of a sudden, the name John Gruden, formerly of the Raiders, formerly of the Buccaneers, formerly of the Booth, starts getting bandied about John Gruden is coming to Bloomington? No. No, I think that's just something. Uh, he spent time in Bloomington. Uh, this goes back, I think, to the to the late seventies, something like that. When his, I think his father was an assistant coach, something like that, as the story goes. I think when he was very young, he went to Benford Elementary School, which is out by the College Mall in Bloomington, for a short period of time. Now, a lot of people suggest, well, that's just his agent throwing that out there. I mean, why would you even throw it out there with IU? I. It's interesting, and it would be great to be able to talk about it. I just don't think that that whatsoever is living in a world of reality. Remember, Tony, they had to find you know now the the fifteen million dollars ultimately to pay off the buyout of Tom Allen through a number of donors is what they described it to be yesterday, and then you're going to have to come up with somebody's contract to make a job that has had little to zero success over the years interesting for a coach that is good at it so there is a lot of work to do and i just don't think john gruden whatsoever would be a part of this conversation who is who is a part of this conversation give me three names oh, to look for. yeah good call by you I, I i think tony that's ultimately going to be somebody established that's been a head coach there is so much to do especially with that nil as you mentioned shade that Tom Allen was throwing there at the end is accurate, and they're so far behind. It's going to take somebody who's already out there and I think has has built and been a part of a program. People bring up all the time in Tulane, and there's not been a lot of conversation about him here, a guy by the name of Willie Fritz, who, you know, in terms of success, has had a great deal of it at Tulane, considering there's not a great deal that you talk about in terms of uh, collegiate football success with the Green Wave. So that guy comes to mind. Um, Maybe, and this is a long shot here. I mean, maybe you can get kind of like what Michigan State did. Michigan State got an outgoing um, Oregon State. Oregon State obviously is kind of being left in the cold in the Pac-12. All the major schools are going to the Big Ten. So maybe, you know, you get the opportunity, you know, like the Washington State coach is a guy that's been talked about. I know that Michigan State just hired the Oregon State coach. I guess what I'm trying to say is if you're in a conference that's kind of left in the middle of the wilderness, like the ACC is being, like the Pac-12 is being right now, maybe you can poach somebody like that that's been running a program. But honestly, I highly doubt it. I just think it's going to be somebody like a Willie Fritz and, you know, if they want to go with an assistant coach, Mike Hart's the running backs coach at Michigan who has IU ties. Maybe that's it. The Fryer guy that's the offensive line coach at Ohio State another name that has been mentioned. Then you have a myriad of Mid-American Conference coaches' names that you can throw in there as well. But I just happen to think it's going to be somebody that's established himself already and has run a program because this is a big deal right here in terms of where you're going to start and a daunting task about where you're going to be in the Big Ten moving forward with IU football. So Willie Fritz was the guy that first popped into my head that may have some interest. 
that's run his own program and had success. I don't know if they're going to have any interest in him, but I would suggest, Tony, that this thing is going to go, I think, quick because you got to get on the ball. you got to secure the own guys that you want back. want to make sure Donovan McCauley, the wide receiver, is back. You know, maybe you can get Brendan Soresby, who went to the transfer portal as of yesterday. Maybe you can bring him back. You're going to have to re-recruit and then restock the fridge that you have in football players in Bloomington. So I think quickly is the move here for athletic director Scott Dolson and hire their new football coach. Let's move it over to the professional side. The Colts 27, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 20. Let me give you two statistics. Gardner Minshew, 24 for 41, 251 yards with an interception, no touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss together run for 146 yards on 23 carries and two touchdowns. Both went to Jonathan Taylor. When you've got Moss and Taylor and you're averaging over six yards a carry, why the hell is Gardner Minshew throwing 41 times? I, uh, Tony, we were asking in the press box yesterday. I was thinking about you when you sent me a text because I, I don't know. This is my theory on this. And this is nothing against Shane Steichen having a very good rookie season as head coach. My theory is that he is smarter than everybody in the room. Offensively, he is. I mean, he's a smart guy offensively. I think he will outsmart himself at times. I think sometimes he's thinking, all right, I'm going to throw the ball right here. And, you know, this defense suggests that we can't, and we're going to do it. And you saw the outcome of that. When you had that miscommunication yesterday in the second quarter between Josh Downs and Gardner Minshew, it was like after that, Gardner Minshew was a mess up until – the start of the third quarter. I mean, you could just tell that he was all discombobulated and they kept going to it. So I can only answer your question, which what I think is true. And I think that Shane Sykin thinks he's the smartest guy in the room. And out time, at times, the smartest guy in the room will outfox himself when it's unnecessary. And I thought you're exactly right. Not running the football more yesterday was completely unnecessary with his offense. But they survived it. And that's all that matters. And I think that when they're getting the rushing touchdowns, when they're actually able to to move guys in the running game, this offensive line feels much better, and they play uh, a much better. Uh, but you brought up Josh Downs, thirteen targets, yeah. five receptions. The guy wasn't all right. He he, he, whatever it is, whether it's the injury or something else, he was not there fully, ready to go for that game. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. And uh, hopefully he is in Tennessee coming up next week. The other thing that stood out, did you happen to see this? And this is something you and I talked about, I think, going back to Friday, is that Gardner Minshew in the pocket, even when the pocket is clean and he's well protected, you can see him dancing around a little bit. So I I thought right before they went to the bye week, you could see that the pressure was building on him decision-making-wise. And you saw a little bit more of that yesterday. But I will give him credit. They came out in the third quarter, and I thought, you know, the way that midway through and the second quarter ended for him offensively, it got better in the third. That's just the way that it looked and it fell. But you can see sometimes Gardner Minshew reacts like he's getting heavy pressure when he's got a clean pocket, and it's it's happy feet. And it's weird to see, but that's the role that the mentality in your brain – place when you've been subjected to a lot of pressure in the past it just 
I think sometimes he falls victim to that, and we saw that in the second quarter. But uh, much better, I thought, to start the third yesterday and then obviously got the ball rolling for the Colts, and, and their defense took over down the stretch. Now, when we, I'm going to keep with the offense just really quick yeah. because Alec Pierce finally got into a game. Six targets, four receptions. If they start playing him a little bit more like a like a tight end and some of those kinds of uh, of routes, I I think I'm happier. Will Mallory, speaking of, of, of tight ends, getting in this game, um, that one pass on the fourth down to Mo Alley Cox, which was beautifully done. But this offense uh, via receivers is Michael Pittman. Ten receptions, 107 yards. Um, he's, he's, and he's catching the ball behind him. He's catching the ball a little too much in front of him. That was nice work yesterday. Hey, Tony, he's the workhorse, is he not, of those receivers out there, too? A couple of things else you mentioned, Will Mallory. I'd like to see more of Will Mallory, if we could. He's dealt with some injuries as a rookie, but I wouldn't mind to see a little bit more of him. And then that play, that fourth down call that surprised everybody, certainly including the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensively, that was a play that was suggested to uh, to uh, Shane Steichen in the week by tight ends coach Tom Manning uh, in a short yardage meeting. And then I think Shane Steichen, after the game, referenced that yesterday and said that he liked that design and thought that that would absolutely work. And that was a conversation he and the tight ends coach Tom Manning had early in the week that ended up playing a significant role and to sustaining that drive on what was a tremendous fourth down call. So there was a lot to like, and here's the best part about it. You're in a rebuild year, and your rebuild is sitting on the sidelines there with a shoulder injury, right, trying to come back from that and won't play again this year. And you're right now getting ready to go into the first week of December, first weekend, I should say, of December, and you're in a wild card position in the AFC, and then a lot happened yesterday that could really help you. I mean, Buffalo losing – it's like Cincinnati's being put to bed finally. That's coming up in a couple of weeks. And then uh, the only thing really that went against you was the fact that Denver won yesterday. But a lot of things in the Colts' favor in the AFC, we're going to start talking about what it will take to get them to punch a postseason ticket because you can kind of see a bit of a path forming if they can win those games we believe they should be able to win. Before I let you go, talking to JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, got about a minute or so left. Today, the Panthers fire Frank Reich, former coach of of the Colts who got fired midseason. Now Reich fired again midseason. They were 1-10. and You got the rookie uh, quarterback in in, in Bryce Young. this the right move uh, for the Panthers? And is this the end of Frank Reich as a head coach in the NFL? Yeah, that, that's the end of it, too. I, I can't think of a time, Tony, when I've ever seen a guy get fired midseason in back-to-back years. Uh, in this case, both in the month of November, Frank Reich by the Colts a year ago, and David Tepper, his owner, fired him earlier today as head coach of the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper is part of the problem, too. It's much like what we saw here with Jim Irsay. So much meddling a year ago. David Tepper's done a lot of meddling. He wanted Bryce Young. Frank Reich reportedly wanted C.J. Stroud. We've known how that's worked out so far. Um, But, yeah, really nice guy, but done in the NFL as his career as a head coach and, frankly, doing something I don't think we've ever seen as a head coach and being fired midseason and back-to-back years in the NFL. I'd have to look it up, but I don't know of anything I can remember that's happened like that. 
JMV, the voice of sports in Indiana, 93.5-1075, the fan in Indianapolis. Always appreciate you. This is Tony Katz today.